Well, hey, everybody. Thanks for joining us today on the Marriage Adventure Podcast. We're your hosts, Daniel and Bonnie Hoover. We're glad that you've decided to listen to us today. Yes. Thanks for being with us. It's going to be a great day. Bonnie, you want to tell everybody what we got going today? Yes. Um, as Christians, we know that God's Word is timeless and powerful, but many times we have a difficult time connecting the dots between God's Word and our day-to-day interaction with our spouse. And today we have some help with that because today we on our podcast, we have the authors of a brand new book entitled The Invitation, Keys to Strengthen Your mm-hmm. Marriage. So today we're joined by Beth Ann Miller and Amy Velarde. Beth Ann is the co-founder and CEO of Safe Place, a ministry that provides support, training, and care for people serving Christ globally. She's a licensed um, chaplain and board-certified pastoral counselor. Amy has served almost two decades in church ministry alongside her husband, who is the lead pastor of Riverbend Community Church in Allentown, Pennsylvania. So, Beth Ann and Amy, thanks for being on our podcast today. Thanks for Thank you me. so much. Man, it's so exciting to have you guys on, and uh, I can't wait to hear about this book. Uh, we got it in the mail a week or two ago from you and I love it. And I think men are going to love it mainly because it's only 50 something pages <laughs> and it is a very quick read. Yeah. It's doable guys. Y- y'all were brilliant in the way yes. you wrote that. Yeah. That was intentional. That was intentional. I feel like, uh, and as Amy and I talked about this, we're so over-informed and under-connected. Mm. Uh, so yeah. to have something for folks that is concise and brief and looks nice and readable really makes a difference. And that's one of the uh, most commented things about the book is its brevity and how doable it is for couples to be able to read it together. Yeah. Our kids take those little vitamin gummies and basically that's what yep. the book is. Mm. It's a little, yep. it's a little gummy that's chock yep. full of so much good, good yep. stuff. Mm-hmm. So that's, Thanks, Daniel. that's awesome. It's funny. Cause in our men, I lead a men's group and, um, and we usually do videos and, I, you know, video Bible studies and all. And so we just started, we did a book. We're doing a book now. And I warned the guys, I said, here's the thing. I know you don't like to read, but if you, mm-hmm. you know, if I see you sitting out in the parking lot reading before you come in, that's okay. Just whatever mm-hmm. it takes to get it done. So I love it. Hey, before we dive in to the book and all that, we love to hear great love stories and how marriages got started. So Amy, I've known your husband for a a little while, probably about 20 years. When we first got to our church, we met him before you guys moved away. But uh, tell us how you guys met. So we met our, uh, our freshman year of college and, um, it was at a school in upstate New York. And, um, so we met there and then, um, he was actually my first, uh, first and only boyfriend. So, um, yeah, so that was, uh, an interesting adventure for me. Um, but, uh, yeah, so then we dated all throughout college. We did long distance for about two and a half years. And then, uh, we both finished at the same school and then, um, got married right after we graduated from college and have been married. It'll be 19 years in January. So 19. that's awesome. awesome. Did I hear a chicken in the background? A rooster. A rooster. Oh, it might be roosters. Is I that hear too a rooster. Sorry. No, I love it. That's great. That's perfect. <laughs> I thought maybe you put it in there on purpose. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> that's so great. That's I love that. I love that story. So Beth Ann, how did you and your husband meet? 
Tom and I have a bit of a different story. We were both actively serving as missionaries with an organization called Mercy Ships. So we actually met in Liberia, West Africa, uh, both serving as singles and investing our life with 450 other people, singles and married folks. Um, and we served on a ship and lived there together and, and with a whole vibrant Christian community. And we're couple number, they actually do keep, keep count. I think we're couple number 272 that have met and married. It's much higher now. It's into the 500s. Wow. Uh, but it's also known as the love boat. So, <laughs> yeah, um, no kidding. That's, that's, that's awesome. where we met. And he's a marriage and family counselor um, practicing in a community center here in lehigh valley yeah that's awesome that's very cool awesome very good yep well um before we get too far into the book i want to hear a little bit about your ministry so um beth ann i want to hear about um safe place can you tell us a little bit about that yeah i want to tag amy in this too because riverbend is our church Mm. um and it's a place that we're known and cared for and loved and challenged and pastored. And that's because of Amy and Joe Mm. uh, and the staff that's there. And they've been our biggest fans when a decade ago, when we said, hey, we're thinking about um, starting this ministry because what happens was we're both counselors and people started coming to us saying, hey, I need a safe place to talk who are Mm. serving in ministry. And it started happening enough that we paid attention to it. Tom and I really go by, you know, like Moses asked Exodus, what's in your hand? We don't have to look so far to see what the Lord Mm -hmm. has entrusted to us. It's usually right there. So we paid attention to that for a couple of years and then actually formed uh, the ministry or the LLC and met with Joe and Amy the night before and showed them the first website. And we prayed together Uh, and we've journeyed now a decade and it's grown into something that we have never imagined. Mm. Uh, So we have nine staff members serving with us. folks living in England and um, California and Indiana and Florida. And so we're all over the place, but we serve people that are in ministry. So we care for compassion, fatigue and burnout and everyday challenges, sometimes moral failure. Um, Usually it's because of compassion, fatigue and burnout that that happens. So we try and catch that on the beginning instead of the end training um, debriefings for folks, crisis response, whole bunch of stuff. Wow. And Amy, what a blessing for this type of parachurch ministry to be based out of your local church. How's that blessed you guys at, at Riverbend? Well, it's blessed us incredibly. I mean, even myself and my husband, we've um, benefited from um, some of their own counseling staff personally, mm. um, and just even different um, seasons of ministry that have been difficult um, for us to go through. I actually also did um, some grief counseling with their ministry after my dad passed mm. away. Um, and just, you know, because there's a lot of, um, I feel like when you're serving, people, um, but you're also sometimes dealing with your own griefs and disappointments um, and struggles. It is, it's such a gift to have a safe Mm. place where you can just um, process um, those things um, that aren't necessarily meant to be shared with, with um, everyone. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. It's been a huge gift to us. And, and also even as, as we work with different churches and ministries to have, them as another resource to offer, um, you know, people that, that we also know in ministry. So, yeah, 
What a blessing. That's and I, th- I think too, if I could speak into this, I think it's such a beautiful descript of how things can work with a local church and how important the local church is. Uh, when Safe Place grew to a definition that that Tom and I couldn't, we were in leadership at Riverbend. Tom was an elder and I led the women's mm. ministry. And when Safe Place grew uh, where we couldn't do both well anymore, uh, we went to Joe and Amy and said, hey, we need to step out of our leadership positions at church yeah. in order to give ourselves so we're not burning the candle at both ends. Yeah. Um, that's not the model we want to hold out. And, and that was... It's rare, but that was met with encouragement and affirmation. And yes, this is right. So Riverbend is a place where Tom and I actually attend church. And what I mean by that is it's not a ministry for us. It's our local community Mm. where we go in on Sundays and we're fed Mm -hmm. and we share relationship. And that was really important for Tom and I to to define those two separate things to have a place where we're just known we're, we're Tom and Beth Ann. That's it. Yeah. Um, and that's been really valuable. I know that doesn't always happen, but we're so that happened. What three years ago now, now I mean, four yeah. years ago. So we're so, we're so thrilled that that was able to happen. And sometimes that can't for various reasons. Yeah, yeah that's good. And that seems like just a sweet partnership. And, and I love that you both came together on this book. It's a great uh, testimony to that. So you guys hit on several different topics when it comes to marriage. So we're going to just dive into a few in this next little time we have together. But when we're dating, we all have this romanticized notion of what marriage is. But you mentioned in your book right off the bat that there's this question that you ask engaged couples. And here's what it is. It says, have you given thought to the fact that you are marrying this person to have your primary needs met? Mm. Talk, talk about that and what kind of response you usually get. Yeah, not only engaged couples, I, we just led a seminar last weekend at a church up in Wilkes-Barre, PA, and I, we started with that question, why did you get married, and narrowed that down to, really, I got married to Tom to get my own needs met. I think that that thought can be repulsive to some, mm. it's confusing to some, it's, wait a minute, I got married because I was deeply in love with that person, or God told me to marry that person, whatever it is. The thing is, if we hang things on those high and lofty, romanticized extremes, when the realities of life hit, those tend to get burst like a bubble. Mm. And then we have nothing left to hang on but disillusionment Mm. in our relationship. So if we can look at a deeper truth, as stated in the book, God's design, our father's design for marriage, it's not good for mankind to be alone. Mm that our needs are meant to be met in that place of safety and provision and protection and vulnerability. Yes, that doesn't mean we have to be self-centered in those needs, but even as it says in Philippians 2, look out not only for your own interests, but Mm -hmm. also the interest of others. It's Mm -hmm. a shared meeting each other's needs in that place. We don't worship the need, Mm -hmm. But the relationship is set to fulfill as many as possible in a righteous, right standing before God, self, and others kind of way. Oh, that's so good. But uh, it doesn't sell movie tickets, though. On, you know, it doesn't sell the Hallmark <laughs> uh, it's channel. It's not going right? to show up on the Hallmark channel. Nope. <laughs> I wish it would, honestly. I wish it, I wish it would. But it is that wisdom that your, your grandma gave you or your mom and dad gave you back in the day when you were dating, you're in high school, you know, and they would say, Hey, I just, you don't want to look out for this and that person. And you're like, Oh, but we're so in love. Yeah. 
Oh, that's so, so good. And Amy, I love your, I love your, you, you wrote the prayer and the questions at the end of each chapter. Was that right? Uh, just the prayers I wrote. The prayers. Ah, such, so good and so heartfelt and so just such rich words in those prayers coming, coming out of that. That's yeah. so good. Uh, the section on uh, connection and, and like I said, kind of going back to the gummies illustration, there's so many good vitamins throughout this whole book and uh and different topics that you hit but you mentioned that when when couples aren't connecting more times than not what's happening it's an identification issue mm -hmm. what do you mean by that i think in order to connect there has to be intentionality right mm -hmm. because you are moving towards each other to connect with each other and many times because folks haven't identified or considered that their needs matter in this relationship, that they don't take time. They don't know what their needs are. So they don't take time to identify them to themselves or to their spouse. Mm. So communication can happen, but that doesn't mean connection is happening. Mm. Let me give you an example. If I go to Tom and say, I am feeling really lonely right now. I'm identifying my need and the connection that I'm seeking for him is companionship. Mm. It's I'm asking you to draw closer. But if I just say to him, um, hey, I, I just feel off or I'm not sure what's going on, he can't move towards connection. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, having the emotional uh, literacy and relational literacy inside us to be able to identify what the need is and then we can connect Sometimes, you know, as couples, if I can say this, we need to connect sexually. Sometimes we need to connect emotionally. Mm -hmm. Sometimes we need to connect in playfulness and relaxation. Sometimes we need to connect spiritually. So learning to identify what the need is mm -hmm. then can invite the connection. You said, uh, I love the word you just said, emotional literacy. Mm -hmm. How hard is that for couples, especially for men? to identify? It can be very difficult. Daniel, I have such a high esteem for men. I think in, in our culture, men are being degraded. Mm. And, and back in the 50s and 60s, I think women were being degraded. Yeah. And then what we've done is we've elevated one to try and make up for the fault of the other. And in so we're damaging both the image of God, mm -hmm. the design, male and female. Mm -hmm. So men are not stupid. Yeah. Men are not ignorant. Men are not, oh, you're just such a simple creature. Men are made literally in the image of God. And it's very good, mm -hmm. albeit functions so differently from women. So I think it can be difficult for men to learn that one, it's okay to identify what's happening. I don't think men are taught that. Mm. Um, so to identify what's going on inside them and then how to communicate that it doesn't have to be wrapped in flowers or violins or perfume. It can be, um, it can be expressed in a very male way. Mm. So to answer your question, it can be very difficult for men because they think it has to be expressed in a feminine way. And that's mm -hmm. not true. Mm, that's Does grunting count? Or, 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 or is that <laughs> grunting, banging? A lot of times like Tom will need to, to go out and work on a motorcycle or go out yeah. and, and tinker where that wouldn't be my mode of I'm going to ride the motorcycle, but that wouldn't be my mode of of 
uh, emoting or communicating. Mm -hmm. And it's amazing. If I will join Tom in doing that, he begins talking. Mm. Yeah. So absolutely. Yeah. uh, That you said tinkering. That's, that's so me, man. If I, if, if I'm in a a bad place emotionally, I just, I, I'm not a video game person or anything. I'll just come out on the farm and tinker with something right. and build something. Right. And take an exactly. axe and hit something. And it lets your brain rest and it helps you connect to yourself, Daniel. Yeah. yeah. And then once you're able to connect to yourself and you have that emotional and relational literacy, you can reach out to your wife then, right? Mm-hmm. To be able to say, hey, this is what's happening. Yeah. But, but I think sometimes as as wives, we we try to chase them into those spaces and don't give them the opportunity to work through that we we like no we what was going on talk to me right now and I think as women we have to sometimes back off and allow them to identify those emotions in themselves before we're forcing them to express them to us mm-hmm. that is such that is such an integral part um, Amy maybe you want to speak into that but we have to learn self-control in that way because what we're seeking for is connection through conversation Mm -hmm. and men typically just give me some space to think. Yeah. Right. I will say um, my husband and I are opposite in this. I feel like I tend to um, sometimes emote more like a typical male would. Mm -hmm. Um, Whereas Joseph is a lot more of um, the communicative one and likes to talk things out right away where I'm more the one that needs some space. So sometimes it can look differently in marriage yeah. too. It really can. I'm glad you brought that up because I have several friends and, and maybe it's a, a common trend in ministry or pastors or different things where you're, you're gifted verbally, you know, and you like to communicate, you like to lead, you like to teach. And maybe, maybe that's a common link there, but you're right. There's, there's a lot of men that, that are a little better, bit better at expressing emotion and their wives, because we generally marry someone a little different or opposite from us aren't. And so that's great. Mm-hmm. I love the, I love the prayer you wrote on the connection chapter. It says how easily distracted we are. May we choose each day to prioritize connection to you, God, and also to our spouse, knowing that these are the connections that ground us, provide security and confidence and become our shelter from the storms of life. Oh, such a great prayer. I need a yeah, I could not have scripted those prayers. So, <laughs> so thankful to Amy that. for so that. Good. Well, um, in chapter three, you, you talk about a word that a lot of women don't really care for. And men, men are like so excited about, but uh, it's submission. And typically there's a misunderstanding in that because, you know, in our, in our churches, we, we have a, um, a lot of times there's a bent towards teaching a portion of that, but, um, Many couples are, are like, I don't, I don't know, either they love this part or don't love this, but can you explain um, a little bit of this, of just what does it look like, what does true biblical submission look like? Yeah, that's such a big question. I'll try and do this very briefly from, from my view anyway. Uh, a word picture of biblical submission is if anyone's ever attended a Jewish wedding, it's the hoopah, right? It's, it's what they stand under and it's open on the top, so, and that is letting the Lord see through and it's open on four sides. So the family and friends also can see and respect the covenant that was just made. Mm -hmm. Um, And that hoopah, not only does it mean authority, it also means protection. Mm -hmm. So I think this portion of scripture, Ephesians 5, 23 through 36, um, which is many times erroneously taught without the Ephesians 521, uh, which you guys are well familiar with, right? Mm -hmm. Submit to one another 
out of reverence for Christ. Yes. So when it's taught in that way, it's a simple, cold command. So we can approach the scriptures from a highly instructional posture and informational and forget that it's also invitational. Mm. It's calling us and attaching us to relationship. So if we posture our heart to the invitational portion of this scripture mixed with the instructional, then we have first the invitation of submission is individually as man and woman to Christ Mm -hmm. out of reverence for Christ. Right. And then that's where we have the grace and or power from the Holy spirit to fulfill the roles that are then described in Ephesians five, uh, uh, 23 through through 35, uh, where there is order, but yet there's an invitation for safety and mutual submitting to each other. Mm. That's a very beautiful descript. And I'm just so sad that these scriptures have been so twisted, sometimes set the stage for abuse on either side. Mm-hmm. And I think limit men to a role and then limit women yeah. to a role that's only um, informational mm. and not invitive. How hard then is it for a couple that's not abiding or not submitting individually unto the Lord, or maybe is not even a Christian or not walking with God? Mm-hmm. How hard is it for them to experience this kind of submission? It can be very difficult, Daniel. You know, I I think it takes a change of a heart posture and a way of of ownership of yourself, Mm -hmm. right? Of first, I'm going to posture myself in reverence before Christ. And then out of that flows the ability to love Tom. But if I'm not postured in reverence for Christ, my ability to love and care for Tom is only going to go so far until Beth Ann's power wears out. And that's probably within the course of 12 hours. So there's not longevity <laughs> for that one. Yeah. So I think coming back to the personal responsibility that we each have and as non-believers, I think there's so few examples of what a Christ-centered, healthy, mutual, um, submitted relationship can look like, Mm. that people are really confused about what it is or simply have never seen it. Yeah, Mm -hmm. absolutely. Amy, in in ministry as a pastor's wife and a ministry couple, uh, how difficult is this when you're in the spotlight as the pastor and his wife to to keep this constant submission connection with the Lord and then to each other? How difficult is that with this bright light that shines on you daily? <laughs> uh, yeah, the fishbowl effect. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, very difficult. I think at times, and I think that's. Um, yeah, I think that's why we need uh, Jesus to lead us and um, to stay in that constant communion with him through prayer. And um, yeah, and just uh, just a humility too to, to even admit that, you know, mm-hmm. just because we're in ministry doesn't mean we don't have our that's own right. struggles. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, I, I was joking with Beth Ann, but I, it was very true. Even as we were doing some of the writing for this book, you know, I feel like they're like all of a sudden it felt like out of nowhere, um, you know, just arguments happening that, you know, 
I was like, Beth Ann, what have we gotten ourselves into? <laughs> I was like, there's all of a sudden this tension in our marriage. And I was like, uh, but uh, yeah, so I think it's just something you have to continually um, fight for and um, submit to Christ and to one another and yeah. just be humble about. So it is. Yeah, it is. And if, if I could say uh, the same thing goes for Tom and I, even though we're both counselors, right? Uh, Amy knows this happened, but maybe it was like a month ago. Tom and I were walking into church and we were clearly in what we would call intense fellowship. So we were all doing, <laughs> of like course, that. on a right. Sunday morning, walking into church that and word people down. knew from our body posture, we stood aside, um, but people knew and they know us were known and loved. And so we would like raise our hand, like, hello, but they clearly knew the Millers were, were not doing so well this morning and it felt good. And we did have something to work out. Absolutely. And it felt good for us to say, yeah, our friends are seeing us and they clearly know by our body language that there's some issue going on right now. And we were safe to show that, mm. not in an exposed way, but in a private way of, of with people that cared and loved us, right? Mm -hmm. um, and I will tell you, for anyone listening to this, we, we're not a perfect couple. And we did think about sitting separate in church that morning. We did not. <laughs> um, we sat side by side. Um, but we had some real stuff to work through. But to be known and loved there and people weren't freaking out. Oh, my gosh, what's happening to the Millers? And no we're normal human beings. So mm. it takes our choice, right, to work these things out. Yeah. As you mentioned, you actually kind of um, say something about that in the book, talking about the difference between intimacy and authentic. You were being authentic in that moment where people saw this is real, but you they were not invited to the intimacy of the relationship in that moment. Yeah. That is, that's a whole nother topic, Bonnie, because I think people confused um, being authentic and being vulnerable. And we shouldn't walk around highly vulnerable all the time. Even Christ modeled that. He he showed different aspects of himself to the level of relationship he, he measured out to that, right? Mm -hmm. So when I think this culture and the culture growing up, there's a difference between exposure and disclosure. Mm -hmm. So if Tom and I would have sat in that dynamic and it would have been difficult, we would have went to Joe and Amy. And we have done that. We have gone to Joe and Amy in crisis in our life and said, help. Yeah. Um, mm. uh, and they have dropped everything and cleared their calendar for us when that has happened. So absolutely, there's a difference between vulnerability and exposure. That's good. And it, it's tough in ministry. It, it really is. I have a book. Uh, called 25 surprising marriages and it's it's 25 examples of marriages that we all know right billy graham and his wife and hudson taylor the great missionary and his wife and martin his luther clinically insane yeah and all these marriages and um i don't think the word uh happy or easy is listed a whole lot in any of those stories it's it's story uh, stories mm -hmm. of strife and and mm -hmm. just going back man i've got a they're living independently obedient to christ and then dying to each other and dying to self daily moment by moment so it is it is tough it, it, it leads me into this this next thing that i love in your book when you talk about stress and when you talk about stressful times and situations and all you and tom you said that you and tom use um get out of jail free cards well, hearkening back to the old Monopoly 
Monopoly yep. game. Tell us about yeah. that. I yeah, love that. Right. I've never heard exactly of that. Where it comes from. So anytime Tom and I see a Monopoly game in the thrift store, we always buy it because we're going to pillage the money and the characters and the cards that are in there. One of the exercises we do with couples is having them understand that their emotional and relational energies have limits. Mm. So we'll budget, we'll give them Monopoly money and say, you have $2,000 for the week. Choose wisely how you're going to budget this and write it down. Because if you choose to enter a massive argument Monday morning, all your relational and emotional currency is gone, including work, church, family, and your spouse. So we'll help them budget and we'll literally look over with them and say, where have you spent the majority of your money? Usually it's on something very... um, not important, just like our regular finances, right? Yeah. Same thing. So, so we'll do that. And then during really high stress times, we'll give couples a get out of jail free card and say, keep this in your pocket and use it often during this mm. time. So that's when it's high stress. So things might be happening and you can say, man, that didn't feel good. So identify it, but then say, here's a get out of jail free card. I love you. And don't revisit that because Mm. it's a stress response. That's all it is. It's a stress response. None of us are at our best when we're highly stressed. Mm -hmm. So it's giving each other grace to say, hey, this is a stressful time. It's playful. We ask couples not to deep dive into Mm -hmm. whatever's happening. Simply identify it, hand them the card and put it on your nightstand because you're going to need it in the morning. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, I... As we're reading through it, I, I told Daniel, I said, I see a kind of a theme, a ribbon that runs through the entire book, and that is um, having that safe place emotionally with your spouse. And um, yeah. when you work with couples, do you see issues where a husband and wife don't feel relationally safe with each other? And how how important is safety in your relationship? All First of all, couples all the time. And there's times that happens with me and Tom, and we have to identify, I don't feel safe right now and back up and bring safety before connection, you can't connect if you're not safe. Mm. Right. And we often think of uh, safety only in physicality, but really the physical expression of not being safe starts way back into spiritually, emotionally, relationally. Mm. So what we'll do is we'll help couples identify first, what does emotional and relational safety mean? And we'll do that by using uh, the example of making a cake. So we'll ask them to tell us what are the ingredients that you need to feel emotionally and relationally safe with each other. And as that happens, then we'll help them start building that into their life Mm -hmm. so that the tough conversations or the intimate conversations, the intimate you see conversations, they're built on a platform of safety because when issues are discussed and it's not safe, it can create more damage and crisis. You almost have to have that foundation of that safety in the relationship before you can connect, before you can submit, before you can have the, the sexual connection, any of that. It's all built on that oh, safety. Oh, goodness. And that's the it's not good for man to be alone. Mm-hmm. Right. That goes back to the very beginning of God's intent for marriage. So absolutely. Many times uh, I will not even address couples issues until we get the platform of safety established. It's just too dangerous for both of them. That's good. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, 
couple Fourth of Julys ago, uh, all the men were letting off fireworks at our family get together and all the boys. And <laughs> Bonnie looked at her sister and she said, I think this is why the Bible said it's not good for man to be alone. <laughs> <laughs> speaking of safety yes on both sides right we do crazy stuff so, so yeah gosh it's been such a joy to talk to you guys today about about your book and about this ministry and you said that this is a snapshot of what you do at safe at safe place right Mm-hmm. That's correct. What a great, what a great ministry. Well, well, where can people find this book? Because I know, guys, you're going to want to read it because it's so short. Women, there's so <laughs> much. If you read this together, it's it's a great thing to work through together. There are questions you can ask each other at the end, and it's really a short, quick read. But if you, I think you could mm-hmm. spend a lot of time with this book because you could spend a whole week just dissecting one chapter at a time and mm-hmm. working through it together to enrich your marriage. But where can people find your book? They can find it via our website, which is safeplaceministry.org or right on Amazon. Just search the title, The Invitation, Keys to Strengthen Your Marriage. This is so great. Well, thank you both for allowing us to spend some time with you today. And uh, Amy, you probably have to go feed the rooster and and take care of all the chickens we we heard in the background. I'm sorry about that. No, it only added. I love it. I love it. Made me want to get uh, chickens on on our farm here. So you guys have a great day. Thanks so much for your time together. I know this is going to be a blessing to so many people. Thanks, guys, so much. Listen, thank you so much for joining us today on the Marriage Adventure Podcast. I hope this interview with Beth Ann and Amy was a blessing to you. And we want to encourage you to please pick up the book, The Invitation, Keys to Strengthening Your Marriage. And we know that it's going to be a powerful tool for you and your spouse to work through. There's questions at the end of each chapter. There's great prayers that you can dissect and that you can memorize and that you can pray before the Father. So make sure that you pick that up online and join us again next time. Y'all have a great, great week.